Base Ministry Support Bonus Episode Number 20. Hello, everybody. I hope you've had a great week. The fall weather is in full force here in Cleveland, Ohio. This is one of my favorite times of year. I actually do embrace the cold weather. I love the cold. I'm okay with winter. Um, the summer makes me sweat to death. I can't sleep well. It's the worst. So I enjoy it. I love the food. I love the hot drinks. Everything seasonal. I'm into it. I hope wherever you guys are listening in from that you're at least having a decent uh, time of year. And today I am in the studio, but I'm sitting in the gray high back chair uh, in the corner. Sometimes you see that in the background on the videos. Um, under a warm blanket, just chilling. Kids are taking a nap right now. Somebody's mowing their lawn. Somebody's always mowing their lawn while I'm trying to record. So hopefully you don't hear that too much. What are we talking about today? Well, you've seen the title, Whose Authority When Secular Worldviews Collide. So I'll get into why we're talking about that in a little bit. If any of you are just listening to this episode through your podcasting app, totally cool, great, sounds good. If you need help getting this onto your podcasting app, shoot me a message, I'll help you out with that. But there is a Patreon app that you could just use on your phone where you can watch the bonus content and you can listen to the bonus content uh, without having to have like anything else. You just go to the Patreon app, you log in, you'll get notifications immediately when this stuff comes out, and uh, you can listen and watch on the Patreon app. So I wanted you guys to know about that if you aren't already using that. Um, maybe that's more convenient for you. Uh, did release a little bit of new merch. Uh, I know there's a discount go uh, discount code going until Monday, uh, October 31st, uh, but once that date is passed. You guys can continue to use the 15% off code, uh, which is BASE15. That's B-A-S-E-1-5. Uh, do all capital letters for that. Uh, that's just for you guys. Nobody else uses that discount code. Um, that's for the entirety of your um, contributions to the Space Ministry support. So please use that. I'm also looking into doing possibly a small group study on Discord. Uh Discord just basically has a similar video feature uh, that Zoom would have, but it's kind of, I don't want to say it's like more techy, but it's just kind of a more interesting environment. It's got the chat box and everything. We got all our conversations and stuff. It's a, it's basically a server. Anybody who uses Discord, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm looking to do a small group study on there. Uh, so I'll give details on that once I have that a little more developed. Uh, what's coming out? Uh, I've got uh, Ministry Isn't Always Mainstream uh, with Ben S. Dixon. He is a musician. He is a vocalist and a musician. Uh, so that episode's almost done. And I know I already told you guys about the Delta Space Program episode and When Governments Play with Demons episode. I'm still working on that. Uh, some of the other interviews that I've released uh, since then just happened to come up on the calendar people reached out and we were just able to knock those out quicker and i wanted you guys to have content quicker so i put those ones out first uh these other two are not quite ready yet i also have uh returning guest uh, an archaeologist 
coming on the show, I think before the end of the year, I think it's sometime in December. So we'll talk about biblical archaeology again. Not really sure what the topic's going to be yet, uh, but I love archaeology. A lot of people love that biblical archaeology stuff. It's very interesting. Um, been holding off on some studio changes because Sarah and I were looking to move uh, before the market got terrible. Now we're kind of like stuck in this house and like our family's getting bigger and so we're like outgrowing the space and i was kind of holding off on some changes in here to kind of i don't know I, I don't know how to describe it but i was also looking into building a team uh to help with the podcast and i've been brainstorming what that might look like is it a co-host is it people that help edit uh, but I would love to be working with the team again. It's just been me for the past, oh goodness, maybe two, two and a half years. So I've kind of been praying for that. Um, I wanted to thank you guys too, uh, everybody who's been praying for my health. I do appreciate that. Things have been improving a lot. Um, my gallbladder was failing, so I was having some pretty serious issues for a while. A couple trips to the emergency room. Uh made some major lifestyle changes recently so trying to be on the mend for that it could take up to a year to to try to salvage that organ so i'm doing my best to be a good steward with my body uh thank you for praying for me i appreciate that now let's get into a little bit of storytelling it's just a quick story nothing crazy nothing fancy it's not really related to the topic today either it's just Maybe if anybody that's listening is from the Cleveland area, this might be a little interesting to you, but I eh, just wanted to tell this quick little thing because it happened to me about a week or two ago. Now, behind my place of work, behind the building, there's a wooden fenced off area on the side of the road. It's right in the middle of an industrial parkway. There's a bunch of other businesses around. You drive by that thing every day. You would never think twice about this wooden fence it doesn't even look out of place it doesn't look old or anything it's just a wooden fence and so i remember one day one of our programmers uh told me hey have you been to the cemetery behind our building and i was like no there's not a cemetery back there there's just other businesses he's like dude that wooden fenced area right between the parking lot and the road is a cemetery it's like, what are you talking about? There's no way. So we go out for a quick walk to go behind a building to check this thing out. He takes me over there and the grass is terribly overgrown inside this wooden fenced in area and there's broken tombstones strewn about. I never noticed that ever. I've lived in Cleveland for almost 30 years. I've been working at this place for over three years i've never noticed it before but it even had a historical plaque there too so where my place of business business is located is uh down in the uh, valley down in the ohio valley and there's a canal that goes through there it's not in use anymore the canal was used um oh goodness how far does it go it takes you all the way out to lake erie but i can't remember how far up it goes anyways i digress from that there were lots of farmland, um, lots of properties down in that valley, and a lot of people worked down there because the canal was there bringing in goods, shipping out goods, and there was a young boat captain. I think he was in his 20s. I don't know what the cause of death was, but he is buried in that cemetery, and I thought that was cool, a little piece of history there, but yeah, so there's that little cemetery over there. 
So now when we have new hires or or just want to go out for a breath of fresh air, now I ask my coworkers, hey, have you seen the cemetery? And um, one of my coworkers had not seen it yet, didn't know what I was talking about. I was like, sweet, I'm going to show this guy for the first time. So I take him over there and I'm telling him stories about the cemetery and stuff. And and he's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. He had no idea. And he's been at the company longer longer than I have. And then he starts telling me stories about the valley. And apparently at the top of uh, the east side of the valley over where Garfield uh, Heights is, he said there used to be a huge dump, a huge landfill at the top. And people used to bribe the guy that ran the place so they could dump toxic chemicals uh, into it. And then when it would rain, the runoff would come down into the valley, uh, which is, uh, I mean, that's a pro- <laughs> it's an environmental problem for obvious reasons. Uh, but so he, he's like, oh, yeah, they used to call that city Garbage Field Heights, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I never heard of that before, but it makes sense now. And he said that there was a pet store that used to be up uh up there on the east side of the valley and he said one day you know the people came into work and the canaries and the birds uh in that pet store were all dead and so he's like you know what they use canaries for in mines right i was like dude there was some toxic gas that was just releasing from that old landfill killed all the birds and so they had to shut the pet store down so I was trying to blow his mind with a little cemetery and he's blowing my mind with a pet store sitting on a landfill uh I don't know it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today but I had to share that story with somebody maybe you're driving your car maybe you're doing the dishes and listening to this uh just trying to mildly entertain you but let's get into things that actually matter now I want to talk about what kind of authority do we have? What kind of authority should we have? And there's going to be a lot of talk about the LGBTQ plus, uh, 2A plus community. And I probably couldn't post this one on the public show. Uh, it would it would probably get flagged uh, a little easier. And I don't have nearly as much traction as some of these other larger pages. But this one just felt a little more appropriate for... Uh, our base ministry support and my intention is for this to be edifying um, I'm not making fun of anything that we're going to talk about because it's not funny it's actually pretty serious and I'll play a few clips here too that'll be a part of this and you'll get the gist of it uh, as many of you know uh, libs of TikTok account many of you probably follow it but basically the libs of TikTok account is uh they do screen recordings of liberal social media pages uh, spewing out basically harmful information and things about the gay community, the LGBTQ, to a plus community, uh, everything liberal, abortion, whatever, fill in the blank, anything liberal. And they're trying to just expose the nefarious behaviors and teachings of of these social media accounts. So you could just at least be aware of them. So there's a colorful array of sexually confused and aggressive deviants uh, on there. All loved by God, of course, but many are enemies of God and haters of his law. I wanted to play a couple of clips here just so you can get an idea of the kind of content that you would find on here. And this first one I'm going to start with, just listen to what they're saying. And uh, I'll just make some brief comments in between these, but let's get through these three clips 
and uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more. So as many of you know, I am non-binary, and like many AFAB non-binary folks or trans men or trans mask folks, I do not feel trans or non-binary enough. It's a very difficult thing to feel, and I think it's one of the big factors that made me not come out and be open about being non-binary for so long, and I think it's something that does hold back a lot of others from coming out as non-binary or trans and things like that, because we simply don't feel enough. It's painfully easy to compare ourselves to people who talk about being tomboys their whole childhood and knowing the whole time that they were trans or they were non-binary and to the people who end up achieving this like perfect androgyny. And no, no one who's non-binary owes you androgyny, but as someone who is non-binary, there's so much internalized transphobia and it's just so hard for me to extend that kindness to myself. And all of these things make me feel like I'm not enough. But a very big step for me in transitioning was actually getting plastic surgery and gender-affirming plastic surgery at that. And I didn't go for top or bottom surgery. I actually went for some pretty subtle surgeries. I went for some masculinizing work on my torso and along my face. Okay, so with this clip, I'm sure you noticed the impossible lifestyle that they've placed upon themselves as well as everybody around them. An impossible achievement Difficult to define yet, this person speaks with some level of authority in that they're trying to teach us how to treat people of their community, uh, almost like an, like an expert, but without cred, like without cred, no credentials, no certifications, nothing of the sort. Um, we could comment on... The looks of the person, I know this is an audio podcast, so you're not going to see what this person looks like, but dyed yellow hair, uh, piercings all over their face, tattoos all over their body. And and th those things in and of themselves is not not necessarily like the sin that, I, that I, I'm referring to here. It, it's, well, even the plastic surgery, for goodness sake, it's, it's the lifestyle, it's the pursuit, it is the... It is the teaching that they are trying to do uh, that I want you to uh, take notice of. So let's play this other clip here for you. Since you want an explanation that you're not going to listen to anyway, I'm going to explain this to you very clearly. People who use ghost ghost self pronouns do not actually think that they're a ghost since somebody told you that apparently. Um, they just feel that ghost ghost self is a perfect way to describe how they feel about their gender pronoun-wise. And it literally works the same way as if you would use somebody's name instead of a pronoun. It works the same way as talking about somebody in the third person. Literally, if I were to say Salem's favorite game is a PlayStation 2 game, and it makes Salem very happy that it still works, but then you replace it with a neo-pronoun, so it will be Ghost's favorite game is a PlayStation 2 game, and it makes Ghost very happy because it still works. Like, it's the same thing in a different font. Why is this so difficult for you to grasp? It's such a simple concept, and third graders can understand it. Third graders can understand it. So, they're teaching it to children. Uh, the thing I wanted to point out here is while this particular person was trying to explain and teach to us, uh, their expertise on the situation, they tripped up on their words trying to explain <laughs> the example that they were going to give. Uh, again, uh, it's impossible. It's an impossible lifestyle. But 
they speak it with an authority. This person's got dyed purple hair, um, very condescending tone. I'll leave it at that for this one. And I've got one more clip here before we jump into the next part. So let's listen to this here. If this is like a physical space, I'm always going to prioritize my own safety because oftentimes that discomfort somebody feels is actually just the violence waiting to happen. And it's also not my job as the trans person to navigate the discomfort. I'm not the one who's uncomfortable with other women. They are. I'm just existing. And so my question is, if you're uncomfortable, why are you uncomfortable with other women? What pieces of internalized misogyny are failing you right now? What is in your way of acknowledging this person's or my humanity? Those are often not things that people can answer right off the bat, but they're really the important underlying questions to be asking ourselves. Sometimes right off the bat, though, I can sense it. I'm like, oh, okay, I've seen this before. I know how this goes. And I give them a compliment. It's really hard to dislike somebody when they're nice to you first. It also helps me humanize that person sometimes and go, you know what? There was a time when I had some unlearning to do and they're at that place in their journey. But it's tricky because often they're just uncomfortable and I'm unsafe. So violence waiting to happen. I need to be safe. Um, it's hard, hard to treat people poorly when you're nice to them. Again, speaking with authority and somehow these people are experts uh, at these concepts. That's what I'm, that's what I wanted to point out. They are speaking with a level of authority as in they are fully confident in what they are saying to you. And they're fully confident that they must teach you that you must learn this. You need to learn this because this is how the world is. Now, where did they learn this from? Where did they get these ideas from that they feel so confident confident to, to have to teach you, to have to make you understand, to have to make you see what they see? They speak with authority about gender, how they should be treated, how kids should be taught. Many have zero credentials or certifications. So... The children one is particularly uh, nefarious. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. I think you know where I'm going with this. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So anytime we're seeing somebody, a teacher or or a sub, whatever. We're seeing it in universities. We're seeing it in grade schools. We're seeing it in kindergartens. They are teaching children these gender identities and sexuality and sexual preferences. They are teaching it with authority. Okay, now what about conflicting authority from the world, from the mob? What happens when two worldviews collide? Two secular worldviews at that. So this next clip that I'm going to play is from the Conejo Valley Unified School District hearing. It's ironic because nothing is unified here. Uh, the speaker is wearing a shirt that says groom dogs, not kids. He's wearing a cross necklace and is a well-known spokesperson for the gay community. So if you can kind of visualize that, let's listen to this clip now. 
My name is Mario Presents, and I'm here as a representative from Gays Against Groomers Coalition with over 250,000 followers across social media, and as the uncle of two students in your district. It has come to our attention that the district intends to teach transgenderism to children under the age of 10 without parental consent. If I were to teach your child about my sexuality without your consent or involvement, I'd be arrested. But when the school district does it, it's education. Districts are teaching transgenderism when they should be teaching science, math, and language. Instead, teachers are hiding student pronouns from their parents under the guise of gender affirmation. Can you imagine the uproar if schools were evangelizing or baptizing children without parental consent? Isn't that sort of what you're doing? You don't tuck these children in at night. You don't teach them to stand up to bullies. You don't pay their medical bills. And you certainly don't hold their hands in the hospital. These parents do. Simple truths based in science need to be upheld for our society to flourish. The gross indoctrination we're seeing is creating a lifetime of medication and hormones because you can't simply pause puberty. Men cannot become women, and sex chromosomes are encoded into the fabric of our DNA. Simply affirming a teenager's gender is akin to affirming anorexia. Both are body dysmorphic disorders, yet we don't teach the starving teenagers how to binge and purge or affirm that they are indeed overweight. However, school districts, including yours, seem to have no issue secretly teaching girls that they can be boys because they feel uncomfortable in their bodies. A grown adult woman can't get a hysterectomy without extensive medical forms and doctor's visits. But Dr. Safir over the hill in Sherman Oaks is willing to do top and bottom surgery, sterilizing children for life. Parents must be a part of the education process when teaching sexuality to students, and it definitely doesn't need to happen under the age of 10 years old. Wow. Okay. So a well-known person in the gay community feels like their space is being invaded by the trans community and by groomers. But I thought they were part of the same team. I thought LGBTQ to a plus included all of them ah now we have worldviews colliding secular worldviews both colliding in addition to here is a headline uh some of these articles came out this past summer and lots of platforms reported on this i'm just going to read one of them. reddit bans the word groomer claiming it's anti-lgbtq and they are viewing this as hate speech. You cannot call somebody who's attracted to children or wants to groom children. You cannot call them a groomer. So, I mean, we've got conflict here in the alphabet soup, the LGBTQ soup. What are you supposed to do with that? Both sides speak with authority when secular worldviews collide. So here's another one. Gays Against Groomers statement on being banned from Twitter. I'm going to read this to you. This was this was fascinating to me. And this, again, was from this past summer. And it says, for immediate release, Gays Against Groomers statement on being suspended from Twitter. So they were suspended from a social media platform for having a say in any of this. It's a very alarming and sad that our coalition, which is com uh, comprised solely of the members of the LGBT community, has been silenced by Twitter in an apparent attempt to protect those seeking to hurt and abuse children and using our community to do so. These woke activists who have hijacked our community are setting us back miles and doing irreparable harm not only to children, but to our name and good standing in society. 
decades of fighting for equality under the law is being erased by them in just a matter of months. Twitter has made it very clear that they view gay people as nothing more than props to usher their radical ideology. The LGBT community is not a monolith. Those pushing and defending this ideology do not represent us, and we deserve a platform to say so. They close it with gays against groomers. What are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do with that? Conflicting worldviews. And since Halloween is coming soon, here's something spooky for you. Let's talk about a little bit of pastoral authority being abused. Teaching how Romans is about trans acceptance. This is going to blow your mind. I could not believe it when I heard it. If you have any questions for Miss Pentecost. Oh, thank you. I'm going to pause this here real quick because I forgot to describe the scene. They are at the front of a church during a church service. The pastor is wearing his his garb and he has a uh, cross-dresser up there standing with him in a sexual outfit in church. And there's two children standing between the two of them as kind of like an interview between children and cross-dresser uh, being emceed by the pastor himself. Yeah. You like her eyeshadow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she'll let you borrow it. When you're older, like when you're allowed to wear makeup. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we, we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world. Uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to, to change into something new uh, and to not be bound by the ways that the world confines us. Wow. Whew. Uh, the the crossdresser's name is Pentecost. That's pretty blasphemous. Uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How about that one? Also refer to Matthew chapter 18, which we read at the front end of this episode, leading children astray. Just from the looks of the sanctuary and what everybody's wearing, this kind of looks like a universalist church. Uh, I have done an episode on universalism. Uh, if you guys haven't heard that, that's just my guess from this, but also from the blasphemy spewing from this supposed pastor's mouth of the renewing of your mind, that if you don't... that. If what you believe right now changes in the world later, that the renewing of your mind will cause you to then believe that thing, that beliefs should evolve and that truths do evolve. What a world. Not biblical, obviously. Blasphemous, 100%. Let's talk about the authority of scripture. This is the good stuff. This should energize you here. Sola Scriptura, right? How fitting for uh, Reformation Month. We have uh, Reformation Day coming up. John 10, verse 35. Scripture cannot be broken. Love it. I love that verse. Scripture cannot be broken. That should amp you up. This comes from Ligonier Ministries. And this is in uh, reference to uh, the Reformers. Scripture is the only infallible authority for the church, sola scriptura, the reformers affirmed that church tradition um, and the bishops could be corrected by scripture when scripture conflicted with other authorities. Roman Catholics, on the other hand, said 
church tradition and magisterium, which is the teaching officers of the church, were equal in authority to scripture. Thus, Rome would not allow herself to be corrected on matters such as justification and worship, for their views on those issues were determined by extra-biblical traditions, which they believed had divine authority. So, that, I thought that was a great breakdown. Ligonier, solid ministry, one of my favorites. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 13 through 20. I want to read this whole section because this is this is so cool. This is awesome. I love this. And the pericope of this section is called the certainty of God's promise. Listen to this. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Man, I love that. That is so cool. So much authority in there. If that doesn't amp you up, maybe this one does. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That reminds me of uh, James, so be, uh, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, and that's when you come upon hard times, that's, you need the perseverance. But it's using the phrase here, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And scripture equips us. God equips us. We have the Holy Spirit. It equips us. He equips us. Haha. <laughs> Don't want to be wrong on the technicality here. So what about church authority? First Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So this, of course, is secondary to God's word and is only considered a pillar and buttress of truth if it preaches the word of God. Does that make sense? So we have the authority of the church as long as it is preaching the word of God accurately from scripture. So I don't want that to be confused with uh, what I mentioned earlier from Ligonier with the difference between reformers and Roman Catholics, uh, that, that it is only considered an authority if it preaches from the word of God. So... I thought that was pretty cool. And of course, we have the authority to cast out demons in Jesus' name, but I'm not going to get into that today. So why are we talking about authority? Why are we comparing secular authority and biblical authority? Because this is what we're up against whenever we speak actual truth, God's truth in public, in school, at work, uh, at family functions, just like unbelievers feel confident in speaking with authority of their personal truths. How much more confident should we feel when we speak the truth of God, God's word? We have got to be confident 
and speak with authority the things of God. And this is not our uh, perceptions or feelings like the world uses. We are using authority about things that truly matter based on scripture, things like family, raising children, earning a living, finances, sexuality, even nutrition and gluttony, discipline, how we cope with stress, all biblical matters. All of it matters. The Bible has something to say about all of it. So speak with authority. Christians cannot be weak on this front. Social media and new media are the loudest voices right now. So you need to speak truth and you need to speak it with authority. It has got to be from God's word. Guys, have a great week. Be edified by this. Take it seriously. Don't be intimidated by people from the world that seem to be speaking with authority. Memorize scripture, study up on it, so that when you have the conversation, you are speaking with authority. You have to. You got to be ready for this. Got to be prepared. I love you guys. Always, always stand before kings. I'll catch you later.